Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Let's jump into the talk for the day. John chapter 15. John is the fourth book of the New Testament, often referred to as the Gospel of John. It's got the story of Jesus. You can use your phone or you can look up in a paper Bible. Opening thought a few months back was headed into the office from our home got to the end of our road there was a car there that had died the hood was up so I thought I'd stop I'm not a super mechanic or anything but I thought oh, I'll stop because maybe I can be helpful a uh, young man began to describe uh, that his car overheated and it and he heard a clunk and so and then I can't remember exactly how it worked, but had the hood open, and so we checked the oil. There was none. Now that feeling you just had was what I had when he sort of kind of looked at me when we found there was no oil in the dipstick, and and kind of he kind of looked at me like, "Is this bad?" <laughs> you know, like the this will be okay, right? And I remember thinking, "Yeah, probably not okay." The clunk. No oil, overheat, probably bad. It just points to a real simple reality like with motors. When it comes to engines, you got to have oil. It's a necessity kind of a thing. Another example of that type of thing, uh, years ago, uh, I was doing quite a bit of bicycle riding. And one day I thought, I'll just ride to Fort Wayne. Let's do that. Seemed like a good idea. Had a day off. So, uh, the round trip, because my parents were living there at the time, round trip was going to, or I mean, the, the trip down was going to be 85, 90 miles. I thought, I can do that. So, I took off riding. It was probably a Monday morning. And uh, I got to Fort Wayne, and in, in Fort Wayne, I felt my first glimpse of a cramp. And when I tried to get off my bike to raise my hip, then like this side cramped. And then when I started to walk, I went into like a seizure. If you were watching, people were probably like, that guy's got problems. Because I, I don't know if you've ever been to that. It's always happened to me. It's only happened to me once in my life where every, like, I would, I just stopped. Like, don't move. Because any time, if I started to use any muscles, then it would start to, has anyone experienced something? Yeah, I is a bad feeling. So I get to a quick mart, and I'm sitting there trying not to move. I dial my my brother's number, his name's Ryan, and he's been a bicyclist pretty serious for years. I'm like, Ryan, something's happening. I can't move. Like my, it's like my whole body is cramping. And he said, well, what have you eaten today? I said, nothing. I've been riding my bike for five hours. And then he went on to, the first thing he said is, you're done. And he went on to describe, because he's smarter than I am, he went on to describe, no, 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 you can't just do 80 miles and not be taking in calories to burn. Some of you are so smart, you're like, well, of course, idiot. And I'm like, now I know. I did. All right. If you're going to do some, some extensive exercise, you've got to have calories. And the idea is there are some things in life that they are got to have them. Uh things. Life does not go well 
if you don't have a few things that are the highest priorities. Another word might be a necessity. Another word might be there are certain things in life that are indispensable. Uh, So here's the first question. What is on your must-have life list? Like you just know, it will not work without this in your life. You might think, there's different areas, physically, spiritually, relationally. What are those must-have things? And I would ask you to go to a little deeper than the last gadget that you saw that thought, oh, that's cool, got to have that. By the way, when I was studying for this, I looked up musthave.com. It was a thing, musthave.com. Here was one of the first things that came up on musthave.com. Is that crazy? Got to have that. It is the hitch. It's the hitch mountable portable toilet called the bumper dumper. Is that not hilarious? Like, got to have one of those. Musthave.com. I probably shouldn't give the website because six of you are like, musthave.com. So let's try to go a little deeper than the bumper dumper. Uh, but here's, here's the real question we're going to have today. Is God on your must-have life list? There you go. Is God on my must-have? And how high up does he rank on the gotta-have connection to God? Sad Google search I had Wednesday this week. I Googled in the midst of this prep, uh, like the top most important things people would list as the most important things in their life. And here's what came up. This was the, mo- the 20, it was the 20 most important things in life. And here's what the website listed. Health, family, friends, love, purpose, passion, wellness, education, time, water, food, sleep. A lot of good things. Money, positivity, communication, memories, compassion, freedom, and gratitude. This was the sad moment in it. Listed 20 things and left out God. That is a bad, well, how do I want to say it? That is a list without the most important thing on it. God should never be an optional item. Here's some Bible verses. Psalm 16, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Here we go. Apart from you, I have no good thing. In Exodus, there's an interaction between God and Moses, who's a really significant spiritual leader in the Old Testament. And the Lord says, to Moses, my presence will go with you. And Moses, because he's super wise and smart, he says, Moses said back to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Because he knew, I don't want to go anywhere where I'm not close to you. In John 15, we'll actually see this text in our primary text as well. It says, If you remain in me, God is speaking, Jesus Christ, and I in you, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So hold those thoughts. We're in a series called Four Questions, and we're dealing with the final of our four questions, and it's this. Why does God matter? And my hope is to bring us a few ideas that will motivate us to keep God highest priority. There's probably different groups here and online. Some of us right now, you're nailing it. God's solid top priority in your life. There's others who probably like me, who that's your goal, but you, but you really have to work at it because anybody stray, like you can be centered on the Lord and life tends to, you know, stray. But, but, the, but this is the kind of talk that for me helps bring me back, recommitment kind of a thing. There could be some listening, you're exploring God. I would love to bring you some motivation on why you should dive in to a relationship with Jesus Christ and with God as the center. And so we're learning from John 15. Here's what's going on. Jesus is teaching. He's trying to help the listeners at this time, and he's trying to help us understand who God is. And he's describing God's role. And he's using a word picture to try to help. And uh, he's comparing life to a, to a garden, God is the gardener, and we are the plants in the garden. Verse 1. Jesus, who by the way was God in the flesh, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you. Bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Just a little bit more. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. The title of the talk is, Why Does God Matter? I want to give you a couple ideas from this text. By the way, God matters for like a hundred reasons, but we're just going to talk about two. Let's pray. God, I've got some ideas here that I think you, you want me to share. But mostly, as with every weekend, we need you to be the primary speaker, teacher. Talk to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Ready? Two things. Ready? Anybody ready? Thanks. Appreciate that. I'm not that ready. Don't have to be making woo sounds. God matters because he is a productive gardener. We're going to talk about how he helps plants or us grow and thrive and produce. That's what a gardener does. Now, I want to make three little mini points before I hit the main thing we're going to talk about in this point, all right? So, beginning of the verses that we looked at, again, we're talking about why is God important? Why is he so beneficial? 
I am the true vine, the Father is the gardener. Look at this first benefit of God. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. It wouldn't take long for most of us to think of an area of our life that we really wish it wasn't there. It could be sinful. It's this thing that's fruitless, but we're, we ourselves are struggling to get rid of it. Amen? Most of us get, oh gosh, I could sure use help with that. God is a God who helps with that stuff. It's what he does. Next one. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can be even more fruitful. Most of us could think of an area of our life where things are going pretty well, like you're doing, you got some skills. God's the kind of guy who gets involved in our life and say, you got skills, I can make your skills even better. I can use that. We need God in our life to do those things. The next reference that's bold here, you are already clean, Jesus said, because of the word I spoke to you. Clean, I, I believe that's a reference to the gospel. Jesus, if you don't know the gospel, God, whoo, this is something you go, whoa, God sent his son to us messed up people to forgive us, to pay for our sin on the cross so that we can be clean. That, hey, that was pretty good, right? So Jesus, these are all great reasons why God matters. We're going to drill into the last thing in this section that says, apart from me, you can do nothing. The word here, nothing, but want to guess what it means? It means nothing. But there's a little bit to the word that caught my attention. It means not, no. It negates a statement, ruling it out as fact. So the feeling here is it may feel like, oh, I'm really doing something, but the reality is, we're not. It's like the surprise of, I thought I was doing all this stuff, but it's, but oh, so that really wasn't anything. If you can get into the feel of the word, here's a couple of, of things that might help. Have you ever, in high school, college maybe, you knew you had, had a, not an exam, but like a quiz the next day, so you like totally jumped into chapter four. You know, you spend an hour, two hours, three hours. I'm going to nail this quiz. Chapter four. You get there the next day, and you're like, man, I'm totally ready. And then someone says, it's not chapter four. It's chapter five. Did, yeah, nobody ever had that? And you're like, are you kidding me? Right? Because you realize multiple things. But one of the things you realize is all that work you did, yeah, really wasn't helpful. Waste of time. Is that right? That feeling is kind of the, is my best guess of some of the feel of this word. Like you think, you think this is important and working, but really, oh, wait, that was nothing. If you need another example, you've got a project, and there's like 36 steps to putting that thing together, and you get all the way to, to you know, like 35, and then you look down and you think, what is this other widget thing sitting here? And you realize that was like in step two. And, you, and you're, are you, because you have to go all the way back, and all the time, right, those six days you took to put that kid's project together was nothing. That's kind of the feel in this word. And so there's an idea in the next part of the talk. I'll do my best to make sense. But here's what we're talking about. This is just going to come up on the screen. God keeps us from the, from the stunning disappointment of wasted time, of the realization I thought that was so significant and important, but really it amounted to nothing. Give you some examples. 
most of you don't know, which is appropriate. When I was in high school, my junior year of high school, I went to state in gymnastics. Did you know that? So here's a picture of me when I was uh, there. I don't know why you're laughing. I had gray hair back then, too. No, I didn't. I, do, I went to state in the vault. It's where you run, and then you go off a springboard, and you hit, and you just flip it. So anyway, you can take that picture off, because it's really distracting. So, so in, in, the, in that season of my life, I thought, I am doing so much. I'm, I'm, this matters, and all that. How do you know, as life goes on, you realize, like, so how many of you knew I went to state? None of you knew. In fact, you can Google, did Mark Pope go to state? Google will be like, who the heck is Mark Pope? No, what, did, because what felt so significant and all the time and energy, really, you realize that was, that was not, I wasn't any, does that make sense? When you think, when I was in seventh grade, I kissed Karen Carnes. This is something. Now, did anybody know that? Anybody? Like, no one knows. No one cares. I don't even care. I, I, but at the time, it felt like this is really super important. But reality is, you can do a lot of things with your life. And then over time, you look back and go, was that, was that really something? It really wasn't something. So where we're going to head is the reality of that situation is fixed or helped with God because he can bring about direction so that we can actually do things that matter most and don't just go away. Here's, a, here's an illustration I use every, it feels like every few years, it's the spray bottle illustration. In James chapter 4, 14, this is a good truth. It says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. So we have some surface spray cleaner here. It's not really, it's just water. But just so you know, this is your life, according to the Bible. Here you go. Oh, man. And you're dead. That's the way it works. But it lasted. It felt like it was going to be there a long time, right? <laughs> Just so you know, same for you guys over here, right? Sorry, this is going to... But the Bible would say that your life is a mist. It appears for a little while, and then it vanishes. And there's so much of our life that appears, and it looks significant. But if we're not really careful, and we don't get God at the center, the whole life in the end, will go away and nothing will last. Here's what God brings into our life, and it's why he matters so much. In John 15, 16, it's the same chapter we're studying. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Look at this. Look at this. Fruit that will last. So God changes the whole mist of our life. So in Christ, in God, we still have to deal with the reality of this life. But in the midst of, oh, wait a minute, I have an eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That little part of that, that never goes away. It stays there forever. It's the begin, it begins here, but it never, ever 
goes away. Or some of your acts of service. So some of you are praying for your kids or your grandkids that they would have personal relations. Oh, wait, right there is that prayer. And that's an eternal moment that will never go away. A lot of our life is the mist. But with Christ, he says, oh, wait, I'm going to have you serve the poor. Wait, I'm going to have, to, I'm going to have you intercede for things that are going to change the world. Wait, I'm going to have you, oh, last night during communion, middle-aged guy with his elderly father came up for communion right over here. And I don't know their, their, their spiritual condition well, but, but the older father was a little wobbly coming up for communion. You know, you can kind of realize. And the son was guiding his dad up to the communion table, making sure that dad didn't fall in front of everything. And can I tell you, if he is doing, if the son is doing that out of a heart to honor Jesus Christ and to honor his father, which the Bible would command us to do, can I tell you, that's an eternal moment that will never, the mist will not go away. In heaven, there'll be rewards for such things. Does that make sense? So here's the idea. God, so fill in the blank. God keeps us from spritzing our life away. That's the way that works. Gosh, he matters. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3. Here's some good news. Praise. Am I going too fast? Did you write down spritzing? Praise. Spritzing. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or spritz away or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That's why God is so amazing and important, because he makes our lives authentically fruitful. God matters because he is a productive gardener. The other thing we'll talk about is he matters because the risks and rewards are real. I don't know if I love that fill in the blank, but basically we're going to talk a little bit about the idea of heaven and hell. Yay! Oh, that'll be so much fun. And talk a little bit about hell. We've kind of talked a little bit about heaven already, eternal rewards and such. But in verse 6, there's a description here. It says, such branches, these are branches, branches that are not connected with God. They are not remaining in the Lord. It says they are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. With this point, I want to start with a common misunderstanding of God and of eternity. So hang with me on this. Pretty common misunderstanding. Somehow we think, pretty common, that we can live our life not abiding in the Lord, but disconnected from God. Not, what does that look like to, to be disconnected from God? Uh, distant, discon disconnected from God would be, remember those 20 things that are the most important to us at the very beginning, if you can put that paragraph right? That's our life. God's not on there. God's definitely not number one. We're just not doing the God thing. 
And the misunderstanding is I cannot do the God thing, which means I, you know, I don't participate in a church. I don't pray. I don't know the Ten Commandments. Well, I might know five of them, but I really don't care what God says because I got an education. Or I'm doing what, does that make sense? So God is pushed away. We don't honor. We don't worship. We're living our life like that. Here's the misunderstanding. We think somehow when we die, all of a sudden, then we get to move into this amazing place called heaven where God is amazing and everything's perfect. Although we've done nothing with him ever, don't honor his son Jesus. We just use his name as a cuss word. And we think somehow, and then eternity, everything will be perfect and amazing. And I can't wait to get my condo in heaven, Lord, because I've heard about this heaven thing. Sounds like a great gig. Thanks for inviting me. He did invite us, but we've done nothing with it. So here's a better reality of eternity. This isn't great, but I might make a point. Death is not a magic carpet into the presence of God, my friends. It's not a universal magic carpet, right? Well, then everything will just be fine. Death is a continuation of our present relationship with God or not. So let me try to help you see this. This is kind of cool, by the way. If you're a follower of Jesus, the cool thing is if we're a follower of Jesus, we're in relationship with God. When death happens, it just, our relationship with God gets magnified in an amazing way. We go from relationship with God, but don't understand everything. Sometimes it's hard. We go to heaven, boom, perfect clarity, no sin at all, none, no temptation, no pain, no tears. All the best part of relationship with God now becomes magnified and amazing. If we come along and we have no relationship with God, God does not matter to us, he's just distant, we don't honor him, then what happens at death is the reality of that just gets magnified, but the magnification is not fun. It's horrible. It's bad now not to have a relationship with God. Just wait till heaven, or it won't be heaven, wait till eternity, when then, whatever our experience is, it's that to the max. Back to our text. I hope this is making some sense. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away. Thrown away. Distant from, separate from God. Are you saying, Mark, that there's a place of eternity that is punishment away from the presence of God called hell? I am. That's what I'm saying. Now, do we know a bunch about hell? We have some indications in the scripture. By the way, do we have perfect clarity on heaven? No, there are indications in the scripture. Uh, side note, I think part of the reason God doesn't give us details is we won't even be able to comprehend how much better heaven will be. Same way, I don't think we would be able to comprehend what it's like without the presence of God at all. Um, I'm going to finish our time with one of the stories that indicate give us some glimpse into heaven and hell it's Luke chapter 16 Jesus is giving an account 
of a wealthy man who is apparently godless and a poor man who Jesus names. His name is Lazarus, and he's apparently a man of faith. And both of them die, and we get a glimpse into their eternity. It says, the time came for the beggar, I'm sorry, when the beggar died, that's Lazarus. And the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's a picture of heaven. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades. It's another word for hell. Where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away. Everybody say far away. So that's important. There is this massive chasm here. Somehow he can see, oh, that's over there is where God, but I'm over here. And so he called to Abraham. I don't know how hard he'd have to, how loud he'd have to yell. Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. You know what frightens me, sobers me up about this text? This, my friends, is not a parable. Jesus never used, he never identified specific people in parables. He told stories with just, and the master replied to the servant. This is an account of real, two real men. Jesus has been around for all eternity. He knows all this stuff. And he's sharing with, this is my take on this, he's sharing this, I want to tell you a story of two, two men. And the one man gets to be in heaven for all eternity. And the other man, his self-description is, I am in agony in this fire. Why does God matter? Because God's in charge of all that. It's a pretty big deal. There's two fill-in-the-blanks to close. I think I missed this one. Without connection to God, we will be removed from God. It's the way it works. Just so this is all not a downer talk, and connection with God produces the fruit and eternity and all those things. Last question, how much does God matter to me? It's a question for us all to be answering consistently. Serious talk this weekend. Why don't you remain, remain seated as we move to a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.